Well, we're going to find ourselves again in the Old Testament. So if you would go to uh, the prophet Ezekiel. So go to Ezekiel chapter 37. <clears throat> Many of you may already know this chapter, the well. Um, it's, it's a pretty, pretty famous chapter within Ezekiel. The prophets sort of have it hard because, because not everybody likes everything that they're talking about. And so you kind of, normally, normally uh, there's some highlights of each books that, each of the prophet, prophetic books that we actually like and then other ones that we just don't understand at all. This one's one that people constantly go back and tap because it is very helpful uh, in particular today on the day of Pentecost when we are celebrating the descent of the Holy Spirit and with tongues of fire. You'll remember what happens on that day. They're praying, 120 of them in the upper room, and a great and mighty wind comes into the house, even though the doors were not open, and windows open, and starts blowing, and then there's tongues of fire that rest on each of them and empower them to then move out and preach and minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we also at the same time with the descent of the Spirit, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, we also celebrate the birth of the church. So on this day we really celebrate too the birthday of the church universal. Next week we'll be celebrating Harvest Point's birthday, but this week is the church Catholic, the church universal in other words. Let's read here. In chapter 37 of Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And He led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will, I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy 
and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You so much for Your Word. Spirit, we thank You for inspiring those words. Now, would You open and enlighten our minds, open and welcome in our hearts Your own self. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever noticed how there are some things that are not seen in your life that end up really affecting your life? You know, things like your brain, right? Which you have, we hope, but can't really be seen, right? I mean, have you ever seen your brain? You know, they used to have that commercial, you know, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. You mean that was back in the 80s and maybe 90s, early 90s? You can't see your brain, and yet you see the results of your brain as you calculate what I'm saying, as you interpret it, as it comes through your ears, and then it gets interpreted. But you also have a mind, which is actually different than your brain. So in your mind, you can actually create things. You know, you can think about what you're going to do in the future. That's your mind which cannot be seen. No one can actually extrapolate your mind. I mean, you can take a little, you can do a lobotomy and get some brain out, but you can't find the mind. The mind is something that is invisible, and yet it is extremely real, isn't it? You ever ever gotten something on your mind before, and and maybe you've been introduced to some bad situation or a bad thought or, or just an image that was seared in your mind and you just couldn't release it. You could not shake it. You could not forget it. And, and, and it just, it was driving you mad. You ever had something that you were working on maybe uh, and, and, and you just could not figure it out and it is driving you insane as we say, right? It, it really even affects your whole body. It weighs on you. We feel a weight and yet it's invisible. There's no, if you were to weigh yourself, you would be the same, you know, weight, poundage wise, and yet there's a great weight on your mind. It's the same way with love, isn't it? I mean, in the mornings when I leave, I don't reach in my pocket and throw out love for my kids to enjoy while I'm gone working. Hey guys, enjoy some of my love here. Here we go, here we go. Let's spread it all out. Be sure to share. Love doesn't work like that, does it? Love is something that is absolutely invisible, immaterial, and yet very real. So real that when you fall in love, as we've experienced before, whether it's with a hobby, whether it's with a person, whether it's with a place in the world, There's this joy that overtakes you. 
I mean, I remember when I, when I when I met Jessica for the first time. You know, it, it was life changing for me. And yet, what I had feeling wise for her that was going on in my heart, this love that was developing, uh, it was something I really couldn't control. I mean. I don't really enjoy just sitting there talking on the phone. And yet, one night I talked to her for like five hours straight, if you can believe that. I mean, that's, that's just insane. Why would I do that? Why would my body push me to do that? Why would I actually enjoy doing that? It's because of something immaterial that was materializing in my life in very physical ways, in very concrete and material ways. Now, you say, well, why are you saying all this? Well, that's what's going on here in Ezekiel 37. It's also what happens, isn't it, at the very beginning? I mean, you may not have noticed, but the Spirit actually is mentioned quite a bit in the Bible. But He seems to sort of pop up here and there and do His work sort of behind the scenes. I mean, of the three persons of the Holy Trinity, the Spirit really is the least understood, the most mysterious one of the three, isn't he? I mean, we don't, you know, we can understand this whole father to son relationship. We, we understand the father is sort of the giver of, of all these things, the initiator, uh, overseer. The son is the one who comes on mission, he also takes on a body whereas the Spirit does not. And yet, we've already heard this morning from John 15 that Jesus thinks the work of the Spirit is going to actually be necessary in your life, so necessary that He actually has to leave in order for the Spirit to come. So He leaves us without the material body of Jesus still hanging around, but leaves us instead with the immaterial spirit. Now we say, oh man, I, I wish I really could have, you know, shook hands with Jesus. What the writer of Hebrews says is we now have a better thing than just simply Jesus in person in a body, in a human body, walking around only limit. I mean, because Jesus is, I mean, if he's really human, which he is, then he's limited just to give himself out to so many people. He could not have given himself like he did to his disciples to 2,000 people. It's impossible. Which is why he chose 12. Which is why even within the 12, he had three that were close to him. And you'll find this same pattern in your own life. You cannot give yourself out but to so many people. And so... Here's the real good news is that when Jesus leaves and is then seated at the Father's right hand, He sends the Spirit who can be given to all people. Everyone can experience Christ through the Spirit of Christ. And He can materialize, if you will, in us the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news, redemption, salvation. It's really fascinating when you study world religions. One of the things you always bump into in the myths, so if you read mythology, 
one of the things that you'll, you'll actually bump into is that they always start with something material. So like the myths will always start off with the ocean or with a mountain. You know, I'm thinking of several Egyptian, uh, Akkadian, Babylonian. You know, one of the more famous ones, the Enuma Elish, begins with salt water and fresh water. A mother and a father. And they co-mingle, if you get my drift, and reproduce all of creation. So all of creation actually comes from this co-mingling of salt water and fresh water. The, the Bible doesn't begin that way, does it? People say, oh, the Bible's just another myth. It, it, it's, it's just simply another myth among the myths. And it is not. It does not function. Anybody that would say that simply has not read ancient myth or even modern myth. Myth always functions a certain way. It's not a time for me to lay those points out to you. The Bible doesn't function that way. The Bible actually begins with spirit. Something immaterial. Whereas all the myths begin with something material. Why? Why is that? It's because myths are created by humans. And we can't think outside of what we can see, touch, taste, smell, hear. Our empirical senses, our data that we collect through our body. But you see, the Bible talks about a sixth sense, not like the movie. It's called faith. And faith has an eye. It can see things that this eye cannot see. Whether you are blind or not. This is why Jesus actually in His ministry, you'll remember, is talking to people who can see physically. And guess what He tells them? You are blind. And then yet, what's so crazy is you start reading the Gospels. And guess who actually recognizes Jesus as the Messiah? Blind people. It's, it's, it's supposed, I mean... <laughs> We, we sort of just kind of read through the Bible without really studying it. If you really study the Gospels, it's meant to almost be comical. That the people who can physically see, cannot see. The people who cannot see, actually can see. And they say, Son of David, have mercy on me. And yet they can't even see Him. How do they know He's the Son of David? How do they know He's the Messiah? It's the, it's the eye of faith. So out of nothing, God creates everything. So what you have in the beginning is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. So in the second verse of the entire Bible, you actually have the Holy Spirit popping in already. The Spirit of God. You have this distinction within God. God creates, yes, then the Spirit of God hovers over and recreates out of the darkness and out of the chaoticness of whatever the situation was. He recreates the ordered world that we have today. He speaks it into existence. His very Word. And then you'll remember too when, when God creates humans with His own hands, He creates us out of the dust of the ground. And yet, He doesn't stop there, does He? He then breathes within us the breath of life. 
it is what makes us different than all other animals in God's world. Yes, we're classified as a mammal. Yes, we're classified as an animal. And yet, we're more than that because of how He chose us in the beginning and breathed His breath into us. It's really sort of crazy to go to the original languages here. And I don't often do that. But here you almost have to in Ezekiel because there's really a play on words here that I want to point out. Just look here at uh, verse 9. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Do you know that there's one word in Hebrew for breath, for wind, for spirit? There's only one word. So here, you have three words. In the Hebrew, there's only one word. It's ruach. It's the one where he says, He breathes within us the breath of life. Literally, He ruachs within us the ruach of life. It's all one word. So here, you could think of it this way. Look at verse 9 again. Then He said, Prophesy to the Spirit. Prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the Spirit, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four spirits, O Spirit, and Spirit on these slain, that they may live. That's what you're actually looking at. This is overloaded with Spirit. He is the breath of God. He is the flame of God. He is the fire of God. He is represented in the Bible as the oil of God, the anointing of God. Also, the wind of God. And you'll remember again, day of Pentecost, what happens? Fire, wind. You remember what Jesus says talking in John 3? Remember to Nicodemus, and if you've actually ever seen the miniseries, the Bible, uh, you'll remember this scene where Jesus is actually talking to Nicodemus. And as he's talking to him in the series, I read a little bit about behind the scenes here. They were filming out on the edge of the desert near Egypt, or in Egypt. And, uh, you know, the wind was, was quaint. It was just lying down. There was no wind at all. And when, they start, when Jesus says that thing, you know, the Spirit blows where He will. The wind, all of a sudden, you'll see in the, in the miniseries, it actually picks up very strongly. Like all of a sudden, and they, they all just sort of looked at you like, and they were like, go for it, go for it, you know, with the production, you know. But it was, but again, here it, it almost, the Holy Spirit sort of pops in and out, but doesn't want credit, is not seeking to be just, you know, His own. Instead, He's here for us. He's doing His work behind the scenes. He's not seeking credit. He is pointing to Jesus. And Jesus even says, when the Spirit comes, He will point to Me. He will remind you of what I taught you. And so the Spirit is with the church. The Spirit helps create the church. And you'll notice in Revelation that the Spirit actually is there at the end as well. You remember the the last chapter of Revelation says... The Spirit and the Bride, the church, say, come Lord Jesus. So the Spirit and the church are actually calling Jesus to come back 
to marry us, to consummate this union. All the treasures that God has for us, everything that is hidden in the heart of God, all the glories of heaven and what He has for your life are found in the Spirit. They become ours in the Spirit of Pentecost. He is the gift of both the Father and the Son. He is sent by the Father and the Son. And He is the gift above all gifts. He is the gift that contains all gifts. He is both God giving God. It's the craziest thing if you really begin to start sort of putting things together theologically when you read the Bible, which is always a fun thing to do, uh, especially if you enjoy thinking, which you should. You do it all the time, whether you realize it or not. God sends His own Son. So God sends God to satisfy the wrath of God and then to send God to us. The whole process is a God thing. The whole process is by His own working and His own... That's why we say everything is laid out by God in His grace. So Jesus is taking on Himself the wrath of God and yet He's God. He's satisfying the wrath of God, and yet He's God. And then He's sending God to us from God. It is a very God-centric process. And a very Christocentric process because at the center of it all is our brother Jesus. And even the Spirit gets the name Spirit of God. Spirit of Christ. I would again make another challenge to you. I made one last week about reading the the Old Testament. I made one when we went through Leviticus. I'll make one now. Read through the Old Testament and as you do, just see and make a note. Maybe underline if you do that in your Bible. Make a note of where the Spirit pops up. You say, this whole thing in the Trinity just really, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's that's a little much for me. I I just need something simple. Well, I'm real sorry, but God is not simple. Um, If you think that an engine is complicated, if you think how electricity is complicated, you know, how electricity works is complicated, or what lightning is, or what clouds are. By the way, we don't even know how clouds operate. You realize that, right? They can't model that in a model. That's one of the problems with with climate um, gauges is we, we can do everything else. We can do the trees. We can do uh, atmospheric stuff. We cannot predict clouds. They're a problem. And that's like sort of the biggest thing that controls climate, <laughs> um, which is sort of comical to me, maybe not to anybody else. But, uh, you know, you've got clouds. I mean, we see clouds everywhere, and yet we don't even know what they do exactly. We don't even know how they work. We don't know everything there is to know about the brain. And these are things in our world that God has created. So why would we then come to God and say, oh yeah, you just give me something simple. Like I just need a one, two, three, man, and we're, I'm out of here. No, no, no. 
If, if your wife or if your husband is complicated, God is way more complicated than that. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing. You're never going to get bored with God. God is the one being in all of the world that we could never become bored of. And yet we do because we're the ones who are in sin. And we're the ones who are, have become cold and old in our eye of faith. You see, Revelation talks about the sevenfold spirit. Do you remember that? It mentions, if you've ever read Revelation before, you will, you will bump into the Spirit again. And there are seven spirits there mentioned. And really, we're talking about the one Spirit. But He's so many different things in our world. He's so many different things in your life. He's working in so many different ways that you don't even realize that it's very mysterious. And that's why I say again, the Holy Spirit is the most mysterious of the three persons and yet the most necessary to be in us. C.S. Lewis has a great piece in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, he says, you think at night when you get down on your knees and you say your prayers or wherever you do your prayers, you know, that when you're praying is some simple thing. You know, and people will often say, you know, like there's this guy at, um, at our college who made, made fun of uh, some of the professors because he knew they were Christians. He said, yeah, go talk to your imaginary friend. You know. And we kind of we blow off prayer as if it's some simple thing. But, but Lewis says, if you could really see what is happening when you are on your knees in prayer, you've got the Spirit who is in you, who is saying things back to God that you can't even say. You've got Jesus, who is also at the same time praying for you at the Father's right hand, beckoning God, pleading on our behalf. And then you have the Father who lovingly Here's our prayers. All three persons involved in your little conversation that you're having at night as you're getting tired and ready to go to sleep. And yet there's some amazing thing happening, an amazing conversation happening right there in your bedroom. It's a powerful thing, folks. That the Spirit would intercede for us. That Jesus would intercede for us on the Father's behalf. What a thought. You're never alone. You're never alone. You're never not being prayed for. He is the Spirit that creates. You remember the two guys, Bezalel and Ohaliab? I think is how you say his name. He'll correct me later if it's wrong. You know, they tell you, you know, in seminary, just if you don't know how to say it, just say it with confidence, you know. Um, These two guys are mentioned in the Old Testament and it says that the Spirit came upon them and they created. They actually started creating things. Buildings. You know, musical instruments. Think of all the things that we've created. Guess who was behind the scenes on all of that? It's the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit at work. You have to be creative in something. Be creative in the Spirit. Ask Him. He knows all about creation. He was there in the very beginning. He'll be there to the end. He's also the warrior spirit who empowers the judges. Remember that? We always kind of get thrown off by some of that. But in judges, you've got the spirit who empowers people like Samson and others, Deborah, to actually fight against those who would crush the people of God. Samuel, Saul... 
David. You've got the Spirit who inspires David to both be a warrior and a poet. We've read from David this morning already. We sing his songs. He's the Spirit of tongues who reverses Babel. The Tower of Babel. He reverses that process to bring clarity and unity to all people. You remember what happened again on the day of Pentecost? The Spirit descends and then they start preaching and people are there from all over the world and yet they can hear the Gospel in their own language. Do you know that we have to speak to our generation? We can wish all day long we live back in the 50s or the 40s or the 1800s. It doesn't do any good to wish, to wish your life away. Speak to this generation. Let the Holy Spirit speak through us. Our generation needs to hear the Gospel. The Gospel will only be heard through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. They were told to wait in Jerusalem for the power from on high, which was the Holy Spirit. And He reigned from heaven on them that day. He blew in that day with might and with power and with fire. His wind was strong to blow away all of the things in their life that were not necessary. May His wind for you blow in your life today. If, if in your life you, you kinda, you're dragging along, if, if like these dry bones, you've, become, you've come to a valley or you've come to a dry place, let me tell you the good news is this. The Spirit has descended. The Spirit has been poured out onto the wilderness of this life and now fruit can happen. Streams in the desert can be found because of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what kind of circumstance you're in. He can meet you there. He can live in you. And just like we've been talking about, that invisible power will then be seen and materialized in your own life. If you are struggling to live the Christian life, if you are struggling with addiction, if you are struggling to overcome something, it is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who, who can free you by the power that Jesus has accomplished for us. The Spirit has come. He has So follow Him. He has come, so walk in rhythm with Him. Sing in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Sow and reap in God's Spirit. He will lead you. There's unity in His Spirit. Be born of the Spirit. Cling to His Spirit. Be drenched in the Holy Spirit. The Bible will tell us, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, be drunk on the Holy Spirit. Drink deeply from God's Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. If you don't hear anything else in this message, hear this. Get the Holy Spirit in you. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Do not call Him it. The Holy Spirit is just, much, is just as much personal as Jesus or the Father. You would not call the Father it. Do not call the Spirit it. He is not an it. He is the personalizing person. He can make your person alive. And people will wonder, what's different about you? How do you have so much joy? How do you have so much peace? Why even in the midst of turmoil can you stay faithful? It's because of 
the Holy Spirit. You are not doing it alone. You are not to meant, you are not meant to be alone, to live alone. So keep the Holy Spirit, trust the Holy Spirit, pray to the Holy Spirit, invite Him in to your life. And He'll transform. He'll create. Out of all that chaos, He'll create order. He'll bring joy in all of the gifts, all of the fruit that He brings when He comes into a human heart. If we'll say yes to Him this morning, He can do that. His wind can blow into your life. His passion, His love can be shared with you. Amen.